Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Amazon ups the ante with this battle with Apple. They also expand their Dash program, and we have a new weave in town from Nest. I talk about all these things with my guest Steve Hollis from Corner on today's Smart Home Show. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. Today's guest is Steve Hollis, the CEO of Corner, Corner with a K. Uh, they are a company that has low-cost, smart home-based security, really the lowest-cost solution out there. Uh, they had a really interesting Kickstarter campaign or Indiegogo campaign last year. And uh, we've we've had Steve on the show, I think, actually a couple months ago from his office. Steve and I catch up on the latest news of the week, including the pretty interesting move by Amazon to pull Apple TV and Chromecast from their store. While this may seem like it is a... Uh, TV-centric thing. I think it's more broad. I think it's part of the broader connected home battle. We talk about that. We also talk about Amazon's expansion of their Dash program to include uh, 11 new hardware partners. We also catch up on the recent announcement by Nest that they are releasing their Weave protocol, which sounds awful lot like another thing that Google did with Android Weave. And so we could try to sort all that out as confusing as it is. Hey, folks, if you're interested in the smart kitchen, I have a new podcast. Check it out. Please just search Smart Kitchen Show in iTunes and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, we've been doing pretty well. We've been in the top 10 or 15 in the gadgets category for iTunes. And if you guys like it and subscribe to it, uh, that'll help us. I appreciate it. The podcast includes conversations with people in that space, but it's also about the conference that I'm putting together and how that's coming together. It's kind of the backstory. So if you kind of want to hear a little bit about the backstory as well as the people in this conference around the Connected Kitchen, uh, you should subscribe to the podcast. It's great. At least I think it's great. You, you may differ, uh, but you get to hear my mom, and uh, that's good, and a jingle we wrote. So uh, there's always the jingle, so check it out. Also, we're closing in on the Smart Kitchen Summit. If you're interested in that, just go to smartkitchensummit.com. Use the discount code PODCAST, and you'll get 15% off the ticket price, and you can meet some of the folks you've heard on this podcast, meet some of the people or a lot of the people in the Smart Kitchen Show podcast, uh, as well as uh, I'd love to chat with you and love to talk to you. So it's in Seattle, November 5th. If you're at all interested, uh, please check that out. Today's podcast is brought to you by Jardin Consumer Solutions, the makers of the Connected Crock-Pot, as well as Mr. Coffee, Smart Mr. Coffee with Smart Optimal Brew, a Wemo-enabled Mr. Coffee maker. I talk a little bit about Mr. Coffee and the history of it on the last Smart Kitchen show. Check, so check that out. But but hey, if you want to control your Mr. Coffee with your phone, you can find out more about that at mrcoffee.com. As well as more broadly about Jardin Consumer Solutions at jardincs.com. Again, jardincs.com. Check them out. J-A-R-D-E-N-C-S.com. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Here's my conversation with Steve Hollis of Corner. Hey, well, I'm happy to welcome back Steve Hollis to the podcast. And uh, Steve, how you doing? Good, good. 
Steve is local to Seattle. I'm in the Seattle area, but we're actually connecting via phone because we're both too lazy. Or at least I'm too lazy to go down and visit Steve. I probably should because <laughs> you're you're on a. And I bike. And I bike into work. So yeah, <laughs> you're too long. You're too far of a bike ride for me, right? And you have a cool yeah. office right on the uh, the Fremont Ship Canal. So I actually, it's a yeah. cool scenic uh, office. But we're going to catch up on smart news anyway, um, and also hear what's going on with Corner. Uh, you can give us an update. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, I think most of you probably do, Corner is a really cool, low-cost security uh, solution. So we'll, we'll get into that later. You can kind of tell us what's what's up with the company and everything. But we're going to catch up on the latest news. And it seems like some interesting stuff with Amazon, a couple things this this week. And you, were, you and I were chatting a little bit on Twitter about the Amazon, Apple, TV slash Chromecast. And this, I think this relates to smart home, but it's, I think it's broader than that. But Amazon is getting, uh, kind of being real politic in the sense that they're, they're saying, Hey, Apple, you can't, we're not going to actually sell Apple TV anymore because you won't put Amazon prime on your platform. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so but what I find interesting about that is that, my perception on Amazon was that they may have been thinking of stepping away from hardware because obviously Fire Phone was, was really an epic fail. Uh, the dongle, uh, they had a payments dongle they were trying to introduce and that was, you know, that was a total fail. So I suspected they were kind of stepping away from this. Um, but now it appears not and it's very surprising and, and it's also, it seems a little, uh, uh, counterintuitive, they, given their their basic strategy, which is to be all things to all people from a customer perspective. So I found this very surprising and uh, very interesting, and and um, it, it will be interesting to see how far reaching this this kind of strategy or approach is, and whether it, it, it impacts the smart home. But um, yeah, I, I you know it, it you know they claim that it's because they don't want to confuse the customer with the video streaming, but that just is not convincing at all, right? I mean, right. That's, and you've got to think there's something else going on here, and, and that's certainly yeah. I, I think this is a an entirely this kind of goes past a certain line in the sand that I don't think they've crossed before with harder because the way you like you said they've largely been uh, as they try to claim you know the largest store on earth and will offer almost anything, even, you know, competitive products. I mean, they've certainly been selling lots and lots of iPads um, and, you know, lots and lots of other e-readers, uh, you know, because they're the biggest e-reader company, but they haven't had any problem selling Kindle or uh, selling, you know, uh, products from Samsung or, or Sony. I think it's very interesting. I mean, they did, they were very, uh, they, they did something in a similar manner or, or always kind of pulling people off storefronts, but on the digital storefront with their eBooks, revolving around pricing because the companies wouldn't uh, lower their prices. So they pulled the eBooks and made them unavailable, but I've never seen them do this. And so I think it's really interesting. And it seems like at least the point that they're saying is that we want Amazon prime on Apple TV. You know, I don't see why that ultimately would be a problem because they have now an open submission process. It looks like on Apple TV for apps and maybe they want, uh, certain concessions around, you know, how much money they're getting or whatever. But it just seems like a really head scratcher move for Amazon to do this. And do you suspect possibly, and I, sus- I suspect possibly that it's around trying to slow down the Apple TV momentum. And that's probably the real reason why they're doing all this. 
Yeah, so that, that's that's really what I think. I think that um, you know, obviously, like as I mentioned before, this confusion of the customer uh, thing is is really I don't think really have anything to do with it. So, um, you know, I, I think it's it's very much a competitive move for uh, for their product and um, for their digital product as well as their their hardware product. And uh, you know, I just. When you look at, like, for instance, I looked at the Echo, and I think the Echo has been perceived as doing pretty well, and I see Apple kind of in their recent announcement of the upgrade to Apple TV, and the big, one of the big announcements there was the integration of Siri. And I really felt, I don't know about you, but I really got the impression during that announcement that it was really Tim Cook looking at shoulder over shoulder at Echo and saying, wow, that thing's doing pretty well, we should try that too. And I just feel like, there's been a number of signals before this Amazon event that, that there's some competition going on here in the home and that, you know, this whole notion of everyone playing nice and being interoperable, uh, there's been a lot of indication that that's maybe not really the case. I mean, the other, the other event was um, Apple stores dropping nets, right? And I think this was maybe kind of the culmination where people finally uh, were, were the were the juggernauts are finally conceding that actually we're not going to play nice. No one's we're pretending. No one's pretending out. anymore. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you're right to a certain extent. I mean, I think that Siri integration has been something that has been on the roadmap for some time. But it's there's no doubt that I think that Amazon Echo was a innovative product that probably both Google and Apple looked at and, and they they said to themselves, you know, maybe this is something that we should have done because it's a really interesting approach and all indications are that it's selling very well and it's a low friction approach in terms of getting consumers to adopt it into their lives because it it's first foot forward as a as a connected speaker uh you know uh, you know on the uh, maybe it's like a high-end bluetooth speaker or a low-end sonos i mean really kind of depending on which way you look at it uh, it's better than some of the, the the jam boxes I've had, but it's not quite as good as a Sonos. But it has this magical capability to understand what you're doing, connected to Amazon's AI engine in the cloud. It's voice recognition, so it it really was a unique approach, uh, and it it was one that wasn't trying to get you to buy into this entire smart home system, like uh, like a Wink Hub, for example. It was something that was mm-hmm. could kind of walk into any other or a lot of other different smart home systems and it can get all the data you want. It can integrate through IFTTT. It's, it was really just an innovative approach. I think probably both Amazon and, and Google thought, well, we should have done that. That being said, um, I still, I mean, I'm just kind of, I think a lot of people are just standing back and going, wow, this is like a new uh, kind of era in the cold war here for these different platforms. And like you said, gloves have been taken off. No one's pretending anymore. And they're just saying, I mean, to yeah. have Amazon pull this device for off of their store is like, a, I think, a huge deal. And I mean, I think people have written about this, but to me, it seems like it can open them up to other issues like antitrust concerns, much like they saw with regards to the ebook storefront. When they started pulling ebooks off of their ebook storefront, people were definitely talking about it, and the government got much more interested. Yeah, yeah. And so it's. It, it, you know, like like you said, like this is a big announcement. Like literally, my jaw dropped when I read it. Like I was that surprised, and so so it was very surprising. And and you know, I think they've got this strategy with respect to you know possibly streaming video that they're trying to um, 
to bolster, but it, it kind of strikes me as a little bit cutting off your nose to spite your face, and that yes, it's going to create all these other ramifications. And and uh, so I just it, it's really hard to 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 really determine exactly what what what, what um, Amazon is thinking here, like more expansively. But certainly, I think if you look at the smart home, uh, I, I think it's going to be disruptive to the to these uh, home kit and weave and Brilla plans. Um, and like so, for instance, with Apple, I, I I thought it was notable that they didn't even mention the word home kit during their entire event. You know, a couple of weeks ago. Or that was or that was a, a huge omission. The fact that they went an entire event. And didn't mention HomeKit. Didn't even mention it. It was a yeah, shocker. They didn't even mention it. Yeah, and and you know, fundamentally, I always thought HomeKit was a surprise. Was surprising to begin with because obviously playing nice with others has never been part of uh, the Apple ethos, right? And so I was always somewhat skeptical to begin with. But the fact that they don't even mention it, and now you combine that with some of these other events like Apple taking Nest out of the stores, and now what Amazon announced. Uh, uh, it's hard to predict exactly how this is going to unfold, but I just I just see things, you know, uh, getting worse as we go forward in terms of this, this battle between these folks because uh, all all the signs are there, and uh, so I would not. And, and so you know, another topic we want to talk about was you know the nest weed, um, and the fact that it's not called uh, Google weed anymore, and it and there again it makes you wonder if. You know, Nest wants to interoperate with other folks, but maybe they're not stressing this sort of more grandiose approach where we're going to have a platform where everyone works together. And, you know, all these little signs, you know, granted the Amazon thing was not a little sign, but all these things kind of point all in the same direction. And, uh, yeah. Let's step back and talk. Let's mention the, the Nest Weaving News. So just yesterday, Nest put out a blog post uh, saying that, you know, they're expanding – the works with Nest program with Google Weave and, and giving third-party hardware makers access to uh, the technology, and it's Nest Weave. And so those of you who have been paying attention to this, the smart home world and Google's announcements may remember just two months ago, uh, around two months ago or so, they Google had their big annual conference, and they announced their new smart home initiative built around Brillo and Weave. And so uh, at the time, uh, people were trying to interpret and kind of understand what Weavas versus uh, Brillo versus Thread versus works with Nest, and it's so my my first kind of tweet about this whole thing was uh, Google once again is confusing with this mess with this messaging. If you look at the blog post uh, from from Nest yesterday, they don't really even mention Nest or uh, Google's Weave announcement two months ago. It's like as if they just announced Weave for the first time and they're making it available to the world, and they act as if. Uh, what happened with Google two months ago didn't even happen. So uh, if you look at the Google Weave page, if you go to developers.google.com backslash Brillo, which is Brillo and Weaver kind of uh, joined at the hip, um, you'll see that the, the, the Weave, which is their IoT protocol, they have a big box saying this will be compatible with Nest and they will integrate Weave with Nest. So I have no doubt that ultimately Weave was probably born out of some of the development that was done early with Nest and some of their internal technology that they built into their products. It was then said, hey, we'll take Weave and make it a protocol and put it into kind of the, the developer ecosystem and make it kind of part of uh, Brillo and Android. So anyone who wants to build IoT technologies, this is kind of ROS for 
for the Internet of Things, and it's kind of uh, built around Android, kind of a, a, a spin out of Android, a fork of Android, if you will. And then this announcement comes out from Nest, and, and it, they act as if like they didn't, didn't even announce anything. So it, I don't know. I'm rambling here, but it just seems like when Google announces projects, they oftentimes are very confusing. They could do a better job making things more clear. Am I right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, but, but here's the, the question, though, Michael, and that is that is the problem here that Google just in this recent announcement didn't message properly, like they kind of goofed on the messaging, or is it because they're kind of retracting from that more open stance that they had a couple of months ago when they originally announced Weep? That I don't know, but yeah, I got to tell you, at this point, given all the other things we've seen, I'm kind of leaning towards the maybe we're going to step back a little bit from this more expansive weave strategy and maybe we're going to just sort of be a little more, uh, you know, insular about our approach to this whole thing. That would, given all the other data points in the space that have happened over the last month or two, that is just kind of what my gut feel is. And uh, who knows? I mean, literally, that, when did that enough? You just brought that attention to, that's my attention today. So I haven't really looked into it in depth, yeah. but that's my gut reaction. Well, it, I mean, really I think is. part of the issue is we have to look at Google and Alphabet and Nest as a, a big <laughs> – it's confusing, right? Because there's these mm-hmm. multiple organizations. And if you step back and look at what has been Google – it's now also Alphabet, and Alphabet is the emerging technology side of things outside of some of the core products like search, uh, advertising. But my understanding is Nest actually is being pulled into the, the Alphabet side of things, and but Android is staying with Google. So it might be just a matter of like there's two different companies here, uh, obviously one big parent company. But, you know, if Google is really kind of acting as its own operating company with Android as a platform it needs to push, maybe it has uh, Weave and Brillo that is pushing that they hope that a bunch of people who use Android are going to adopt and put into their products. Then you have Nest products with Weave, and that is largely centered around a, a way they want to get third-party companies to interoperate with them by integrating that Weave code. It's confusing. We so we could probably draw like a map out for this, but I think that maybe is the way things are going. But I I still think that we what you said also makes sense in that um, there is some significant battles going on here, and who knows what Google is thinking internally. But I think it's yeah. further muddied by the fact that there's like a bunch of there's three different companies here we're talking about. Yeah, and that's 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 a very interesting point you just made, and what will be interesting. I think what might kind of resolve this a little bit is to find out where Google Weave is going to end up. Are they going to end up on the Alphabet side or on the Android Google side? Um, and if it's, uh, you know, if it's the latter, that might explain this messaging issue. But, but that will be interesting to see. And so I don't know if we know that yet, but that's something I'd watch for is, is where, where they're going to slot the more expansive Google Weave vision or if it just kind of dissipates. And all they start talking about going forward is next week. Yeah. So I mean, that, I, that if, I were, very... if I were to like do like a kind of a cheat sheet for how to look at the different entities coming out of what has historically been Google, I would say that, you know, Android and everything out of that is a, a largely a platform play um, that they uh, use third-party hardware companies to get to get into your hands. So, 
Um, they want you to build Android into your products, be it smartphones or tablets and now Internet of Things devices. Um, and they're work, working with, you know, every mobile and Internet of Things hardware company they can to do that. If I were to look at Nest, I would say that that is a company that wants to sell you their products with their brand name on it. But when you're in, in an Internet of Things world, you want your products to work with all these other third-party devices because it's not realistic to think that the whole your whole house will be outfitted with Nest everything. It'll be you know Nest thermostats, uh, maybe as control devices. You may have a Nest horn, but it now needs to work with your front door, and it needs to work with all these other devices. So I think they have different aims in some ways. Obviously, they're, they're yeah, not completely yeah. different, but... It, I don't know. It's it's complicated. We'll keep interpreting this. Uh, I'll, I'll probably have to write something up about this because I think it's I think it is hard for people to kind of figure out what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and and as this stuff unfolded, when you start to think about it, your brain kind of gets twisted. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to sort through all this stuff. And and actually, I'd be I'd look forward to see your sort of analysis of this because it does take some time to think through it, and you got to almost like put it down and kind of map it out, right? Yeah. Because yeah. It's getting pretty pretty confusing. So yeah, I mean, uh, but it's it's exciting too, right? Like I'm waiting for the next piece of news now because this some stuff is happening up right now. Right, it's, the Cold War, the the connected home Cold War is basically started. Then maybe that'll be the title of my article. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what's going on. Yeah. So one last big piece of news, and this kind of is related back to the Amazon. It's also related to. Uh, to some degree, ways in some ways to the connected kitchen, which uh, you know I'm looking at closely for my conference. But just I think this is a big front, another big front in the battle here, and I think this is like right in Amazon's sweet spot going forward. Is their dash replenishment services? They've announced that they've added 11 new hardware partners, some pretty big ones, um, including you know frenemies like Samsung. <laughs> we we, we yeah. kind of start to think about who's involved in this battle. Certainly Samsung is, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Samsung's yeah. now been added to uh, one of the partners. They have other things uh, like uh, PetNet, which is Western a connected – in there, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. PetNet, which is a connected uh, feeder. Um, there's a whole bunch of different ones. And so – uh, for those of you who don't know, I've, I've talked a lot about this on the on the podcast. Dash replenishment services is essentially taking the dash button and putting it into your hardware rather than sticking it on the outside with a sticky piece of tape. Um, and it's the bigger vision. It's it's this idea of like your Samsung refrigerator will know when you're out of milk, uh, or probably more realistically, something like a a dry good or or some sort of consumable. Your Samsung dish or a washing machine will know when you're out of detergent, and it'll automatically order it. And Amazon's the order engine. Uh, and the commerce side of things. And what's interesting, they actually gave some specifics on this. It says it's only 10 lines of code uh, for this, you know, to add this into their device. So it doesn't look like it's a tech technologically complicated thing uh, if you're a hardware partner to start working with in the Dash service, with Dash replenishment services. 10 lines of code, but presumably, like if you're in a Westinghouse washing machine, you also have to put in a wireless device. Yeah, there's the there. Yeah, I guess yeah. yeah. We're skipping over this whole. Oh, by the way, you oh. didn't make your device a connected device, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, but that's part two. Got it. But yeah. once you're, but, can, that was my. I mean, you're right. That's a great point. And uh, you know, you have to. You can't just add this unless this is a connected piece of hardware. But once they get there, making it a commerce enabled device, Amazon's got your back on that one. Yeah, and, and um, that's pretty cool. And so. Once again, that was a pretty recent announcement. I haven't looked at too much detail, but 
you know, recently have, they had the dash button, right? So you press this button. Uh, I'm wondering, is this a button they're building into a washing machine, or is this literally something where it's like, well, we're, we keep track of how many washes you've done, and we know how big a container of detergent you use, and so you don't have to press anything. We just know when you need to order another one. So, uh, do you, like, which one is it? Is it the smart one, or is it just the dumb button? <laughs> it is a... Uh, basically a service. I mean, it's kind of the software side of what is probably powering the physical button. Um, it is mm-hmm. not, to my understanding, requiring a button. Um, there may be one of, I think that's a design choice. If say Samsung makes a, a washing machine and it's connected to dash replenishment services and you're out of tide um, to then say you want to then order more Tide, I think you can probably program it to, so the Samsung knows when you run out of these uh, devices or whatever. And that's that's a question, right? That's yeah. an interesting question. Is it is it monitoring like some sort of like storage storage container? Who knows? Yeah. But it could be. Because that's the real Internet of Things, right? The real Internet of Things right, is right. that and not, oh, I need something, so i got to go press a button. So right. um, it'll be interesting to see which of the two they're proposing. Although yeah. I will say this, it becomes an interesting conversation about what end users want because I actually like to be kind of a line of defense against just people charging my credit card, right? So if right. if like all of a sudden my machine goes nuts and like it's got a, a, something wrong with the sensor and I ha- the next day I have a case of a Tide detergent yeah, shopping yeah. on my front. I'm sure Amazon's like building in a lot of safeguards, but at some point, don't most consumers want to kind of know or at least press the button themselves? Yeah, but I think, you know, an easy way to do that is to possibly you know, before before they make the order, just send the user an email, and then they go in the email and press yes. Or you know, there's probably easy ways to manage that because I agree. You know, if you don't do something like that, and it's just automated, customers, I don't know, if customers will trust it, and if you have an adoption issue there, so I think you need to address that. But I think there's ways ways to do that. So, um, so, so yeah, that's that's interesting. But you know, the other thing, if if, if it is actually just pressing a button then why do we need all these buttons? Because you have your Echo in your house and you just walk, as you're walking into the kitchen, you just say order detergent and it happens. So there has to be more to it than this physical button, right? So there's got to be some intelligence down the line that they're anticipating. Otherwise, I don't see it as as useful because I think you can do that in other ways. Like, like I said, with an Echo, you know, and then you don't have to build in these buttons with all these 10 different devices in your home is a, is a more effective way of doing it. I mean, there is I, I, some level I feel in my gut that this is going to be useful, like building in replenishment kind of services into devices. But mm-hmm. there is like this possibility. I mean, you could, I'm, I'm, I'm not so uh, like absolutely convinced that like everyone's going to think this is a must have. And there could be like this whole infrastructure build out. And a lot of consumers just say, I don't want that. I mean, I, that is like a, mm-hmm. a real possibility mm-hmm. Um, I think long term we kind of know directionally that automated ordering and kind of uh, kind of integrated commerce could be big, but we're still in these early days. It'll be interesting to see how fast consumers embrace it. Yeah. So really, what it comes down to is how much friction there is in terms of the customer adopting it and using this. And I think the value add's probably there. I'm not sure if there's enough value added if you have to press the button every time, but if it's a predictive thing where it'll, you know, and get you to confirm before the order's sent out, I think there's some value there and that people 
that way we'll be sure they're not caught out of detergent when they have to, you know, do their wash. So I think, I, I think there's, there's this thing, this whole notion has a shot, but they've just got a few issues to, um, to address. I agree. There's, like I said, there's 11 total companies. One of them I thought was interesting is, uh, August, which is a small company, which actually will mm-hmm. notify and order batteries. I think that's a little bit like of a stretch to me, like do to do that integration. Um, and I, I like the August guys. Uh, Jason, I think is doing a great job. But uh, I, to, when I look at that, I think it's kind of a vanity integration. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's dash. Oh, okay. So, so hold on. So August is running out of batteries, so it tells it, Amazon then, to order batteries. batteries. Yeah, but I mean, uh, let's let's be honest. Most houses have. Most houses have batteries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 you don't need to order batteries. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. And that's interesting because we have the same issue, right, with our tags, with our door and window sensors. We notify the user when the batteries die. And so... I mean, you should. But to yeah. order batteries, I think, is going... Like, you don't need to order more batteries because most people have batteries. Right. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Fair point. Yeah, yeah. So... Because yeah, August takes those double A's or triple A's, right? And most, a lot of people have them lying around the house. Right. Yeah, this is they're not like yeah. a, a a custom battery. So I mean mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, if I'm a startup like August, I would probably do as many integrations as possible, but I just don't see this one to me is like I'd put in the bucket of like, meh, more of a vanity yeah. vanity one, you know, it's good to have yeah, on the yeah. box. Good to have on the box. I, I would agree. I, I would agree. I would agree. I think it's more like those of those regular items that you, you know, order on a regular basis and it's a real pain if you get caught. You know, and and like with like a laundry detergent or whatever. I, I think that's really more where the uh, where the um, where they're headed. Hey, well, let's catch up on Corner uh, to refresh people's memory. You are the CEO of Corner, which is a security company. You guys did a, I think, a pretty innovative and new approach to uh, low cost smart home based security. Can you give like a kind of a thirty second refresher on what what the product is, and then we'll kind of go into where you are on, as a company. Yeah, our premise is basically a lot of people don't adopt smart home and home screen specifically because it's too expensive and it's too complicated. And so we are very inexpensive, first year cost under $100, and you can install us in minutes, literally minutes, like three, five minutes. And so that's really how our product differentiated. And we have a, a patent pending technology in our door and window sensors so that they are one piece sensors. They aren't two piece where you have to pair and, you know, put one on the door, one in the frame, and align them. You just slap it on the door. It's real easy. So it's easy to use and, and price where we're really competing. Yeah, and I mean, there has been a movement towards kind of DIY and self-installed security over the past couple of years that I think, you know, everyone was kind of sitting up and taking notice. But you guys really came in at a price point lower than anyone I had seen. And, and uh, you know, I think when you, you watched on – was it Indiegogo or Kickstarter – Indiegogo, Indiegogo. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was uh, super affordable. I, th- I think you could could have got into your your product for like, like fifty or sixty bucks, super cheap. And so, tell us where you are on on shipping to your backers, and then when people will be able to buy the product at retail or online if they weren't a backer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we raised uh, short of half a million on um, Indiegogo last year. We've now delivered to all of our contributors. Um, and so now we are looking to start live orders as early as, um, next week. And we're listed on Amazon. We'll be on bestbuy.com. And of course at cornersafe.com, uh, you can order, um, uh, corner there as well. 
And so, yeah, we're, uh, we're ready to go. We have a, uh, sorry, a fulfillment partner here in the U.S. We are, we are also setting one up in Europe because uh, there's lots of demand out of Europe too. And, uh, we're going to be listed on Amazon in Europe. And, uh, so yeah, so everything's kind of coming together at this point and it's, it's pretty, pretty exciting. So Amazon has not dropped you yet. You have not gotten like a big battle yeah, I, with Amazon yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't have voice recognition on our <laughs> on our stick yet, so I, I think we're okay. But we better be careful. Yeah, exactly. Although I will say, you guys should uh, talk to them about being an Alexa partner. Do you do you remember or did you see that they were actually uh, yeah. investing in companies? Yeah, you're probably well aware of that. So I thought that was interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I find Alexa very kind of interesting, right? They're investing in companies and hoping to promote companies that work with Echo, but then they've also got this Alexa API as well or something. And so uh, that's their, I think, that's their kind of quasi-response to HomeKit and Brilla. So it's something, I mean, certainly we, we look at. Um, uh, they, they, they have a few, uh, one or two home security players already on there. I think Scout might be on there or something. So um, it, it's something, yeah, we, we consider well, I think that um, you had said well, you said Amazon. You also said, did you say Best Buy? Dot yeah, com. Best Buy dot com. Yeah. And will you guys be available in brick and mortar at some point next year? Um, we're looking at that because um, we're working with a lot of retailers now, but uh, not this year, but possibly next year. Yeah. Well, great. Hey, well, Steve, thanks for taking time to update us on where the company is and where can people find you online. Cornerstate.com, and that's corner with a K. Corner with a K. So uh, you'll subscribe the product and uh, the shopping cart there and everything else. So great. Hey, well, thanks for spending time with me. Yeah, thank you. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to today's Smart Home Show. As always, you can find more Smart Home Shows at Technology.fm. You can find us in your favorite podcast spaces. If you want to listen to the Smart Kitchen Show, go to smartkitchensummit.com backslash show. You can find us in iTunes as well. All right, folks, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.